This is Face the Music, a Jeff Lynn's Electric Light Orchestra Song by Song podcast. Episode 179, Love and Rain. is the second track on Alone in the Universe. In the March 2016 tour book for Alone in the Universe, Jeff Lynn wrote, It's about how love and rain keep coming back into our lives. I especially like this recording because my daughter, Laura, sings background vocals on it. She has a great voice. So when she came over, I asked her to have a go at this song. And because she's grown up in America, she's got that American twang that I like in female backing vocals. At first, I didn't show Laura the whole three-part harmony. I asked her to try it in three different ways. And when I put it together and played it back to her, she was pleasantly surprised. I was too. Stuart Fry wrote in the November 14th, 2015 issue of the News Hub, Love and Rain is a funky anthem with a mesmerizing riff most reminiscent of the largely unpopular Secret Messages era. In the November 19th, 2015 issue of the Herald Standard, Clint Rhodes wrote, Love and Rain channels the melodic flow of Showdown from ELO's 1973 album, On the Third Day. Both arrangements feature the symbolism of rain as a powerful force. Showdown uses it to illustrate the heartache of a love coming to an end, while the new selection emphasizes that both love and rain are needed to help a relationship grow strong. Hi, I'm Eric Winsenson. And I'm Eric Paul Johnson. Well, Love and Rain isn't that bad of a song. It's actually pretty catchy, probably because Love and Rain are the, the only words in the song. <laughs> but, nah, I know there's more words, but the backup singers aren't singing the extra words, so kind of ignore them. The uh, song is good, but the only reason it's really good is because of the backup singers. Without them, it would just be droning on mm. and on. Because there's not really anything special i mean adds a little bit of a soul sound with a minor chord to it and it's something other artists have done quite a bit and he doesn't really do anything different with it it's the production that actually makes the song work it's not bad i was expecting worse from the <laughs> reputation this album has, but we're still at the beginning and we're still front-loading all the good stuff, so... 
I didn't hate it. My toe was moving. That's really about all of the moving that the song did for me. It's standard issue blues song with the backup singers replying to the blues singer's bluesy wail of, of the tragedy going on in their life that they're singing about. So it didn't really do much for me. Mm. Really, the best part about the song was the backup singers. And I'm not saying that just to gain points with Jeff Lynn, because I'm pretty sure we're going to be just tearing apart this album as we go through. But that was his daughter, his one daughter, doing all three parts. And she does all three parts really well. I'm, I mean, that's actually the interesting part about the song. The backing vocals, and then it's Jeff's daughter. And she's really good with the self-harmonizing, even though she was completely unaware that she was doing it. Because Jeff said why don't you sing it three different ways? And then later on, he meshed them all together. She's got the skills. I would like to hear more from Jeff Lynn's daughter, wondering if she has any desire to even go into music other than being her dad's backup singer, because I'd be interested in hearing what she would do. She might have some new sounds to work, put out there. And it'd be nice if she told her dad about some of those new sounds and passed them on to him. Dad, have you heard of this thing called hip-hop? Um, yeah, I don't know. Jeff Lynne can do some things with things. I'm just wondering how, if Jeff Lynne can do that without sounding like he's desperately trying to stay relevant. Hey, look, see, I'm still hip. I'm still cool. I'm still with it. Even though I was born just shortly after World War II ended, I'm still with you kids, so I'm here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, you're not, Grandpa. No... Even though I like to hear some less grandpa music coming from him. Um, yeah. He was going to do a second single off the album, it'd probably be this. Because it's got enough elements to actually keep the attention and everything. Yeah, it's definitely not a horrible song. It's definitely not up to the comments on YouTube of, Oh my god, this is the most fantastic thing I've ever heard! This genius is back doing everything he does well, and... Mm. Yeah, it, no, if he was back he, doing everything he does well, it would at least sound like Out of the Blue. Maybe people need to listen to other music and hear that there are other things that would show you that this song is... Eh, it's okay. It's not the greatest thing ever. I did like the bridge. That was a nice change. But other than that, it seems like it's a standard issue plotting blues song. Yeah. Not much else to it. There is something that did make me wonder, though, when I looked up the song facts. It kind of makes me wonder, how come the offspring of big-time rock stars don't really have a big career? At least one offspring of all the members of the Beatles are in the music business. They're making records. They're making music. But Julian Lennon is the only one that had any kind of big-time success, and that only lasted for like a year and a half, maybe. And... Laura's got great singing talent. I've heard The Offspring of the Beatles. I've heard other children of other rock stars, of other musicians. They're fine, but I wonder why they don't... I'm not going to say get as successful, because trying to be as successful or bigger than the Beatles is an impossible mountain to climb. 
So I wouldn't lay that on James McCartney or Sean or Danny or... Is it Zach? I can't remember Ringo's son who plays the drums. I can't remember either. Yeah. I think the problem is, is the pressure. That could be. In a lot of cases, I think it's the pressure to go into music when sometimes they aren't really that interested in music. And sometimes they are interested in music, but unfairly they get compared to their dad, like Julian Lennon did, and that's why Julian Lennon disappeared, not because he isn't a great artist. Mm -hmm. It's because he just got tired, really, (laughs) of living in his dad's shadow, and a dad that wasn't even there for him, Yeah, and a dad he really didn't like. (laughs) and yeah where sean lives more in his mom's shadow anything major that sean lennon has done has usually been along with yoko yeah and well (laughs) we all know how excited everybody gets about a new yoko ono album oh boy this is going to be very very far away from me and i'm going way over here yeah exactly I think Danny, um, I haven't heard his music. He's friends with Jeff Lynn, I know that, but he mm-hmm. doesn't seem to really use his father to promote himself very much and basically does his own thing. The only ones I can really see, Oliver Wakeman, which is Rick Wakeman's son, they do a lot of stuff together. And I think it's just because uh, they like doing music together. I mean, Rick Wakeman has been doing the same thing forever and released hundreds of albums. So Oliver doesn't get it compared as much to Dad because he's working with Dad. Right. I also wonder if it's just because they've had a pretty comfortable life all their lives. I mean, the Beatles came from lower or middle class or just middle class, and Jeff Lynne, middle class, where the options at the time in the city were work in a factory or deliver the milk and bread and so they actually had to put in the effort in all the struggle to get from the little town that they grew up in to dominating the world and I think if you're the child of a big-time rock star you really don't have to struggle you you're you're living in a really nice house and when your parents eventually go you're going to be living pretty well on the royalties and the merchandising and all that that comes in from Beatle t-shirts and, well, I was going to say ELO merchandise, but there really isn't much. But the music and all that. So, and I think if, like the Beatles, you put in eight years of starving and struggling and just trying to make it and get somewhere, that thing probably sticks with you for the rest of your life. So you're always kind of, I mean, you could probably relax after a bit, but I think that mode kind of sticks with you, so you're always trying to keep at it and keep going there. Whereas, if you're the child of a super rich rock star, you really didn't have to put in the effort that they did to finally become the super big-time rich rock star. Yeah. There was Frank Sinatra Jr. Uh, uh, Nancy Sinatra. <laughs> well, Nancy Sinatra, yeah. though, completely did something different than her dad did. Frank Sinatra Jr. was yeah, basically doing dad stuff. Just not as good. Nancy was doing her own thing because, well, she had a good writer and producer with her. And Dad supported her, but that was really about it because Dad hated that music, so. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, she had success. I wouldn't say she was a failure, but she had nowhere near at least the chart success that her dad did. 
So it's kind of like a Julian Lennon kind of thing where, yeah, he had success, he had hits, but it really didn't last and it really didn't match what the parents had. Yeah, but look at Nancy's place and rock and roll history at the moment and everything. And Nancy, she did what she did and I think she's a lot more comfortable with it than Julian is with what he did. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, also uh, Nancy probably had a much better relationship with her dad than Julian did. I'm, uh, you know. Yeah, even though it's hard to think which one's the bigger a hole. But both of them were absentee fathers. Both of them were wife beaters. <laughs> so. Okay, a nice perky way to end it. Frank and John were wife beaters. Enjoy the myth being shattered. Got something to say about love and rain? Then call the telephone line voicemail. Six two three eight five zero three three seven five. Call now. Love and rain. Ah, ah, ah. Well, hey, this is Doctor Troy. Love and rain. I'm not going to beat around the bush. I don't like this song all that much. There are a few things I like about it. I love the way the backup singers are in sync with Jeff. When he gets through the line, love and rain, they repeat it on cue. Kind of reminds me a little bit of the way the Jordanaires were with Elvis Presley. I also like the call and response style of the chorus. Jeff will say a line like Love and Rain, and then the guitar comes in, and then he'll do the next line of the chorus, and the guitar comes in again. I like that. I like the guitar solo in the middle of the song, but what I really like, in fact, the only thing that I love about the song is about two minutes and 40 seconds in, the tempo and the melody change. And the backup singers come in, and they start repeating love and rain. Then a synthesizer comes in. It's really beautiful, and it's the most ELO-y thing I have heard on an ELO album in some time. Now, if the rest of the song had been more like that, I think you might have had a song that would have fit in nicely on Concerto for a Rainy Day. Side 3 of Out of the Blue is called. Or maybe even would have fit in on Time. But as it stands, that part of the song is too little, too late. And it doesn't save the song at all. And honestly, and I want to give an honest opinion here, I don't think this song would even make a good ELO B-side. Well... We'll see what we got next week. I'll talk to you later. This is Troy. Like it? Hate it? What does Madeline think? I like the song. I danced to it. Wow, she liked it. Face the Music, an Electric Light Orchestra song-by-song podcast, is a production of Radio Trolla Entertainment, Assorted Deli Meets Amalgamated. You can contact us by voicemail at 623-850-3375 or email us at eloftmpodcast at gmail.com. Keep up to date on the show by joining our Facebook group and spread the word by sharing the link or giving us a quick rating on iTunes. You can financially support the podcast at patreon.com slash ELO pod. Next week, episode 180, Dirty to the Bone.
ด้วย